Hello and welcome to the Punt Return Podcast. It's certainly nice to say those words once again as we approach a big day on the calendar, the NFL Draft, which of course will be happening in just over 24 hours time in Las Vegas. I'm your host, Ryan Laporte, and tonight I'm joined by one of our great friends of the show, Stats Insiders, James Rosewarn. James, how are you, mate, and how's the off-season been treating you? Ryan, lovely to be here. Off-season's been really good. Like this is, this is such an exciting time of the year, I think, in all sports, like all over the world, you know, soccer, basketball, and now NFL draft off the back of the NFL off-season and here as well with AFL going bananas and, I don't know, weather changing as well. It's just the best. I love April and, and March. Yeah, certainly a lot going on in the world of sport. And like you said, the NFL will be on the forefront of our minds once again on Friday morning, our time here in uh, in Australia. Very exciting times. And obviously, we've had a big off-season. I mean, some huge names have moved uh, teams. Not as many as we thought in the quarterback stakes, but obviously some huge names. Probably none bigger than the Sean Watson trade. Then it finally went through and it's the Browns of all teams that he's landed on. And firstly, let's just start with that and, and how that kind of play, played out and what it means for, of course, Baker Mayfield. But firstly, your thoughts on on the landing spot and and if he'll even suit up this year. Yeah, this is this kind of... So I think the last time we were speaking was around the controversial off-field issues. And unfortunately, it's a similar situation with Deshaun Watson. Obviously, a prestigiously talented quarterback who's done some pretty unsavory things off the field. Um, and Cleveland is the one that is prepared to break the bank for him with an extraordinarily large contract. The big part of that is the committed dollars um, that they'll pay him effectively up front. There's no risk on that deal. Um, and so I think that along with, I think there's a stat that they spent $100 million more than the second highest spending team this offseason. So when you include that with Amari Cooper coming to town on a $100 million five-year deal, and the extension of Ward as well last week. It's a lot of money that they've been spending at the, at the Browns. And I don't know, they're kind of acting as that team that's sort of a one or two players away. Um, I don't know if they're that close, but we'll see. And they're certainly in a really competitive division in a competitive conference. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a great segue into to the real power shift into the AFC of all, of all places. I mean, we've seen some huge names come across to the AFC, of course, uh, joining Deshaun Watson in the AFC, uh, in the uh, AFC, of course. Well, Watson hadn't been there the last year, but of course, there's uh, Russell Wilson joining that prodigiously talented uh, AFC West. Of course, uh, coming up against uh, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and now Derek Carr twice a season. Uh, who themselves, the Raiders, have added Devontae Adams, who joins the AFC um, from from the NFC, and of course, Von Miller to the Bills as well. Like. There's been some huge names come across to the to the conference, and um, another one we you didn't mention on the Browns. Who it was an interesting signing that hasn't happened now all that long ago was Jacoby Brissett, who's potentially going to back up Deshaun Watson. But where does that leave Baker Mayfield, and will he find a landing spot before before the season starts? Of course, they can still potentially trade him uh, in the draft uh, during the draft on Friday. Do you do you think there's a chance that Baker Mayfield might find might find a new home outside Friday morning. Uh, possibly the problem with Houston is uh, sorry with Cleveland is they're probably in a position now where they're going to have to part with draft capital for someone else to take on that contract as well, and they don't have any leverage. They know this is an unhappy guy, 
um, and they desperately need to sell because they've found their new love, right? <laughs> they've got they've got the Sean Watson. They don't need this guy. So I don't know. That, what do you reckon? Does, it, does Seattle come into play for Baker? Does Houston come into to play for Baker? Um, yeah, I think uh, I think the Texans are pretty sold on on Davis Mills, of course. Um, I like him. Yeah, they, they, they really liked him. And he, and he did come on in that second half of last year. I don't know if that's a landing spot for him, but Seattle certainly won that he could end up at. I mean, at the moment, there's only Drew Luck for competition. I don't think this, I mean, yeah, it, there's not really many, too many landing spots for him. I mean, Carolina, maybe. Yeah, the Panthers are probably one that, that could make a play. Obviously, um, uh, Teddy Bridgewater's gone now from there as well, who's uh, he's also joined the AFC uh, in the Dolphins. So, mm. yeah, look, Carolina's probably one that a landing spot, potential landing spot on it. It certainly would, um, wouldn't would be the worst landing spot. I mean, the, the Falcons might be another one. Um, of course, they, they made a move for Marcus Mariota. But, yeah, a bit, bit of competition there potentially for uh, for that spot um, now that uh, Matt Ryan finds himself also in the AFC uh, with the with the Indianapolis Colts. So, look, there's a couple options there in the NFC. I, I certainly think um, they're probably the potential ones, but there's every chance he might he might just sit the season out and, and get his money. But, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting dynamic at, at the Browns who, like you said, have gone all in. and They're still in a very um, competitive division, potentially not as strong as it was a year or two ago. But, yeah, the, the Browns need to, to win now. And, and they were expected to perform a lot better than they did last year, of course. So, so they're now they're, they're fully chips in and, and invested in their future. But, yeah, it'll be remain to be seen if Deshaun Watson even gets on the field as, as a starting point. Maybe let's move on to a few of the other big-name signings. Of course, um, let's, let's maybe stick with those offensive guys. And I did narr- um, mention Russell Wilson. What was your thoughts on, on that trade? That kind of almost came from nowhere after, you know, everyone was expecting the Broncos to go after Aaron Rodgers. Uh, what, do you, what do you make of that? And do you think... Russell Wilson potentially could be a better better fit for the Broncos and, and a more long-term option as well. He's obviously a phenomenally talented player. Like, I mean, he's he's got the runs on the board. I'm a huge Russ fan. The arm, the legs, everything like that. From a Denver perspective, I think they've done what the Rams... I think this is this is the, it was a Rams off-season, that Rams had the sort of fingerprints over what everybody else did, right? Like you can uh, set fire to draft capital, make everybody expendable and win, sort of win now, create your best self as quickly as possible. And in a way that made for such an exciting off-season where teams no longer had that sort of patient, patient approach. Let's build for the draft. Let's make this a three, five, six-year cycle. Let's go now. And that's what Denver did. They Denver felt that they were in a position to to do it. That they think their defense is really good. They think they've got some playmakers on offense. But again, just like you touched upon, though, this is a loaded, loaded conference, and that's why Russ's move to go to that conference, where arguably eight of the best ten or eleven quarterbacks already are, I thought it was thought it was interesting. I thought it was really interesting, particularly that division itself. Right, like. You can make the argument that he's third or fourth best in that division. You can make the argument he's the best in that. Well, I don't think he's he's better than Mahomes, but it just goes to show that is an amazing, amazing, amazing division. Um, I can see all four teams making the playoffs from that next year, but it's early days, but yeah, we'll see. 
Yeah, look, you're absolutely right. And it, it's it certainly now looks, certainly on paper, the strongest division in football. And, uh, and of course, the strongest conference by far now, the AFC. The power certainly shifted, obviously. They are in win-now mode, the Broncos. They thought they have a nice few young pieces. They lost Von Miller last year. They got a, gained a lot of draft capital from from uh, uh, moving on from their from their Super Bowl MVP. But they've brought in another huge huge name on defense, and that's Randy Gregory from the Cowboys, who quietly joined in the off season and certainly makes them a, a real contender. I know you mentioned just mentioned the the uh, the talent in that division, but yeah, I think the Broncos are are certainly ready to win now and and can easily see them finally breaking that long playoff drought. Uh, even though, you know, since their Super Bowl win and, of course, under their new coach, Nathaniel Hackett, which is which is one of, um, I think it was about eight or nine, maybe even ten new coaches uh, that, that have found homes, um, including, of course, Todd Bowles, who takes over from Bruce Arians, who, yeah, that came as a bit of a surprise, but we might touch on that a bit later. A few more key signings, of course, and we, we won't move too, too far from that division yet, is Devontae Adams hooking up with his former college teammate Derek Carr at the Las Vegas Raiders. And it certainly gives the Raiders a, a new dynamic on offense. And and it now means that someone like a Darren Waller is potentially looking for a new home. But, yeah, do, what, what do you make of that trade? And, and do, you, do you see them having the same success that they did at um, in, in, in college? Yeah, they made real progress, the Raiders, believe it or not. Like, I, I, I hated the, the initial move for Gruden, you know, a few years ago. And I think the results sort of showed. But I think they really took off. They really sort of showed some guts over that sort of second half of the season. Made a big run. They got as close to anybody in the AFC in terms of their, their sort of wild card stash against Cincinnati. They've brought in Collins and in, in it's not Collins. Uh, yeah, Collins on defense. Defensive end will come in as well. Um the thing is, you know, and we've spoken about this, I could go on forever about how much you want to invest in the receiver position. And this is the thing. This is the other big spotlight that will come up in the draft. And it certainly came up in, in the off season is teams going completely crazy to get their hands on wide receiver talent, thinking we're, we're just one massive playmaker away. The smart teams, the really smart teams, let's say Kansas City, Green Bay, they were prepared to jettison that wide receiver talent, San Francisco potentially with Debo Samuel as well. They're saying we've got a price point and we're not going over that. Whereas other more desperate teams like Oakland, like Miami, have said, here you go, here's the package. <laughs> um, unbelievable kind of movement to get in single playmakers. And then the question is, my my issue always is with receivers, is it's like that should ultimately complement all the other hard work you've, that you've done. Have you got the great, have you got the good functioning quarterback? First of all, you've got a really good offensive line. It has your defense. It's the last thing in a way. Um, but I, I get it. I get it for teams equally like Miami and Oakland who are frustrated as well and feel that they've, you know, they're ready. So I, the, I will also say that with Oakland's move for Devontae Adams and with Miami's move, it's come with movement in a coaching department and who will bring in a lot more modern nuanced offense in. Right. So I don't think it's, I think in McDaniels, I, I, I expect them to be a lot, a lot sort of more sort of progressive in how they utilize their players. Yeah. It's, it's a really valid point. And, and one that's probably worth mentioning is that desperate desperation, like you said, from, from teams who are stars of success, whereas a team 
that have had more recent success, like the 49ers, like the the Chiefs, um, and of course, like, um, like Rams the Packers, well. ha- yeah. have kind of yeah, like you said, put their price on price on a certain player and said we're not spending a dollar over that. But uh, as we know, we've got a everything else but it's a it's an interesting point you raise with that with that huge hole that Aaron Rodgers now has at wide receiver and of course he's lost a few other of his other key um receivers like St. Brown and MVS uh it doesn't leave much for him to throw to of course they've still got um Aaron Jones uh, who who can be a pass catching back but he's not in the mold of a of a of a Debo Samuel for instance who is the one that they need to go after and, and really I think Make it make him a, almost a godfather offer, um, or at least part with that draft capital because Aaron Rodgers hasn't got that long left in the league. They need to make a move now, and all the stars are aligning that the Jets are gonna and have they have all the draft capital in the world as well to to go after Debo. But surely the Packers have to be the main player um, coming into Friday, and hopefully they can make a move for for Debo Samuel because I just think that that uh, connection would be unreal to watch. Yeah, it would be. I agree. The weapon would be fantastic in the way they could utilise him. But I, I think Green Bay will stay sitting on their hands with this. They've got two first-round draft picks. I think they might use them both on receivers. And the difference is the receivers that are coming in these days through the draft, they're far more advanced than receivers in previous years. The the route, the scheming, the sort of uh, sophistication that they can bring immediately to their franchises I think will sort of spark Rogers. You know, there's players like Chris Olave who should fall in that range in that sort of 20s. Green Bay might even trade down a couple, use one of those to trade down a little bit, who's just, you know, sort of apparently, you know, a credibly gifted route runner. And that's what Rogers is all about, right? Like, I think Rogers would probably prefer someone be a route savant rather than a skilled yak guy who can do everything else. He's he's quite pedantic with that kind of stuff. So, and I, I could see him actually preferring to have a young kid, right, who has to listen to everything he has to say, as opposed to a disgruntled veteran who wants A, to be paid, and B, in Debo's case as well, Debo says, I don't want to do any more running. I want to be a receiver. It's going to mess me up from a contract point of view. It's going to mess my body up as well. So, yeah, that that's what I'm. I'm so fascinated to see which direction Green Bay go with that, and like you said, it could it could well end up with Debo. Yeah, look, it, it's a valid point you make, and we've seen the success the the young receivers have have uh, had coming into the league in recent years. Of course, um, none more so than um, uh, Justin Jefferson the last year and and last year, of course, his, his college teammates um, who have just gone absolutely blank on his his name. Please throw in. Throw in his, yeah, sorry. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. Jesus, I couldn't couldn't get his name out, but obviously had an unbelievable rookie season, breaking some um, amazing records, and of course, offensive rookie of the year. We've also seen CD Lamb and a few others have you know instant success and, and change their franchise for the better. So, yeah, it, it's a really valid point, and there's obviously a few nice wide receivers on the board um, from those huge teams in in Alabama and LSU that have got receivers ready to go and, and they look like to be ready-made NFL players. So it's a really valid point and, and, and something that Green Bay are probably going to consider more so than, than probably, like you said, splashing the cash on a disgruntled guy like Debo Samuel, who's, yeah, he's um, he's left a bit of a, a stain on his name in after such a, you know, a, a year that so many people have fallen in love with him. 
Um, some other key receivers that we while we're on it on that topic, of course, Allen Robinson finally gets out of Chicago and and goes to the Super Bowl winners in the Rams, who of course have lost OBJ to a knee injury that he suffered in the Super Bowl, but they've also lost uh, Robert Woods, who of course didn't play in that match, but he's he's moved across to the AFC as well to the Tennessee Titans. But Allen Robinson finally gets on a contender and someone that can get him the ball. So really interested to see how that uh, that connection with Matthew Stafford goes. I love that move for the Rams. I love also the adding Bobby Wagner on defense as well. But in terms of bringing in Robinson, you think of Cup. Cup's basically the best in the business, right? Everything he does. You combine that with McVay and all the scheming that he does the positions he can put Cup in, the way they can utilise Robinson underneath and those beautiful, strong hands. That's some of the best hands we've seen in the last sort of five, six years. I think anything's possible with that team. Like, they're just, it's a, a beautiful, it's a beautiful get. And this is also quintessentially Rams again, right? They're so obsessed with the idea of, tell me what the player can do, right? Like, I don't want to know necessarily about the faults. We can sort of mask the faults. We just want to get that one or two special things out of that guy. And I, I love that about a team. I love a team that really knows themselves so well, knows their system so well. And that comes through continuity in all phases of the organization. And that Robinson deal to me speaks so strongly that and look, the same thing can be said with Cup. We're hearing all this, you know, disgruntled receivers everywhere else. Cup's waiting, right? Cup's in tune with his franchise. He knows he'll get that extension. I mean, I think he's the 25th highest paid wide receiver at the moment. We know he's the best, right? His numbers speak for themselves. But I think that, I mean, OBJ, he, he may re-sign there. I think this is speaking to a really healthy, healthy, good franchise. So, yeah, love that move. Love it. Yeah, I think there's going to be some success there with, with A-Rob and, and look out for him to have some probably career best numbers in that scheme that you mentioned with McVay. And, of course, Stafford throwing him the ball. Uh, let's move on quickly to the coaches before we move on to the draft and the and the changes there. Of course, uh, none bigger than Bruce Arians leaving the Bucks, and of course Sean Payton leaving the Saints. So a really new look in that conference of uh, in that division, I should say, the NFC South with uh, two new head coaches in the two best teams in that division. And yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how those two defensive minded coaches come up against one another with with so many offensive weapons at their disposal uh, on on their respective teams. But firstly, the Bruce Arians move and, and the decision um, to step down uh, and, and obviously Todd Bowles take over. Do you read much into that? And was it the man who, of course, retired and then decided to unretire? Was it was it anything to do with Tom Brady and his influence? See, uh, I'd like to think this is, you know, I get that we need to shoehorn Brady into so much speculation and stuff. And he may have been behind the scenes doing God knows what. Probably was, let's be honest. But I'm preferring to focus on the Bruce Arians aspect of this. He has built a phenomenal legacy that should be remembered for decades and decades and decades. Forgetting, I'm, I'm talking about his promotion of minorities, through minority candidates throughout his years in the NFL. He hasn't done this from a point of view of, look at me, I'm a great guy. He's, he's, he's legitimately put people in places to succeed, right? He's, so not only is Todd Bowles now the head coach of that team, Brian Leftwich will be running that offense, right, as well. So 
I just, I think, I think Arians has done an extraordinary job. It speaks for itself. He can retire. I think, well, he's moved into the front office now, hasn't he? He's got a front row capacity. So, yeah, hopefully he just keeps on doing that kind of work, that empowerment, that real genuine empowerment. I love that. In, I love to see that in action. So. Yeah, it's a really great point you make. And, yeah, he certainly hasn't rode off to the sunset yet. He'll still be um, potentially pulling the strings from, from the front office, as you mentioned. But is there any other key moves? Obviously, there was a lot of fallout after the um, the Giants hire of Brian Doble um, and, uh, and obviously the, the text exchange between um, – Bill Belichick and uh, Brian Flores. And, of course, that probably censored, um, you know, took out the most news. But, obviously, there's a lot of new coaches in some, um, yeah, some some good positions. That A lot of the teams that have landed um, new coaches, of course, are those those bottom teams that didn't make the playoffs last year and, and kind of going through a rebuilding phase. But is there anyone in particular that, that really stood out to you? Yeah, probably Brian Dable, to be honest with the Giants. And as you know, as a Bills fan, he did extraordinary things there in short time and, and a bit left of centre as well, the, the way he devised that attack um, and in concert with being as in the general manager as well at, in that franchise. So it was top to bottom down. And I'm thinking, I mean, Joe Shane has come across from Buffalo. He was the assistant GM there over with him to the Giants with Brian Dable. I think they can get the same kind of reclamation project going with Daniel Jones that they did with Josh Allen potentially. Still, I'm not saying the same level, but something along those lines. They've got the two top 10 draft picks going in. I think they'll be careful with those picks. Nothing too flashy. Maybe improve the offensive line. Maybe get a pass rusher as well if available. Again, nothing too splashy. They're not going to make the mistakes of previous regimes that were spending big money and big draft capital on wide receivers, even though they were a billion miles away from contention. That was under the, the Dave Gettleman regime, which is, which is an incredibly crazy regime, incredible, yeah, incredibly regressive kind of practices there. So I, I know a lot of that stuff that was a bit weird with what happened with the Giants, but that's, that, is, that was the, the, the GM coach hiring that I, I, I'm most excited about. Yeah. Like that move. I'm glad you mentioned Bills fan there, mate. So thank you for that. But uh, yeah, I think they they can be the the sneaky one this year that that could really push up from a you know one of those bottom teams into a potential playoff position. I, I don't think the Cowboys have improved. If anything, they've certainly regressed in the off season. I mean, they're still going to be the class of the division, but there's there's been real no move, uh, no real key moves in that division other than uh, of course the Giants and, and changing their head coach and GM. So look. I know Carson Wentz comes into the to the Commanders now they're known as uh, to to change that quarterback look, but that doesn't that's not a huge a huge leap for me. And of course, like I said, the, the Eagles and Cowboys have, have remained pretty stagnant um, with their moves and, and have probably lost more than they've gained. So, yeah, really interesting one. To, and the Giants are one to keep an eye out for. And as you mentioned, they've got those those top picks that they could. Um, yeah, they could be a bit um, left to centre, or they could play it safe, like you mentioned. But uh, that's a, that's a good segue into it. Let's let's move on to the NFL draft. Of course, uh, it's only just over twenty four hours away, as we mentioned off the top. And I know you're really keen to see this play out in Las Vegas. And the number one pick for the second straight year belongs to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, there's been a lot of conjecture of who's going to go number one. For a long time, it looked like Aiden Hutchinson was 
the preferred number one choice, but has he slipped down the rankings and do you see Trayvon Walker now tipped to be number one? Is that kind of how you see it as well, James? The thing is, there could be four or five different guys who could be the number one pick, but the fascinating aspect is the Jags obviously going into this because I've been hearing that there's three different paths that the Jags want to go down in terms of the GM wants to go with Trayvon Walker because of he reminds him of Alden Smith at San Francisco, the Trent Baalke regime. The owner wants to go with Aiden Hutchinson. Um, and the new head coach, Doug Peterson, wants to strengthen the line, exactly what happened in Philly, right? To get really strong and get that part of the game solved before anything else, which, is a, which even harks back to Andy Reid, right? And I think it's the most sensible approach to team building as well, being really strong in the trenches and building out from there. So three different directions. This is <laughs> It's funny. Five minutes ago, we were just talking about the Rams and, you know, franchise continuity and harmony. The Jags are in absolute, they just live in perpetual disarray. So look, specifically where it comes to these two in terms of the Trayvon Walker, Hutchinson thing, it's fascinating because again, they're two completely, what they've done at college level couldn't be sharper in terms of the difference, right? This is Hutchinson 6-7, amazing production at Michigan, ready to go, walk straight in. Whereas Trayvon Walker, I think the stat is, Nine sacks over something like 36 or 37 college games. Right? It's a sack every four games at college level and on a loaded Georgia D, right, where five Georgia defense, defensemen are going to go in this first round. So is, is the stuff that he has done well because of how loaded and talented that Georgia team is? I don't know. You get something like so. Some people are saying, "Okay, Walk will be number one." The upside is fantastic. The mode of the, the the desire and everything like that. Other people are saying, "Well, he could be sort of you know around ten, twelve. Wouldn't surprise." So, look, he was about twenty five in mock drafts around December. So, is this all based on a pro day? Is it all based on testing? Which is come on, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Um how that plays out. And, of course, the other bolter that's kind of come into calculations for a, a top two, top three kind of pick is now Kayvon Thibodeau uh, from Oregon, who also an edge rusher like Hutchinson, who's almost leapfrogged him in, in, in many mock drafts. And, uh, of course, the Lions need that defensive weapon, but there's, there's rumours that they might even try and um, load up the offence as well. But I think they have to start with that defence and, and fix that and, uh, it would be silly not to go away from, um, yeah, that uh, that defensive pillar uh, in, as their number two pick. But do you see kind of Kayvon Thibodeau being that number two pick, or is it is it essentially whoever doesn't go number one at a Walker and Hutchinson is is the next up kind of line, or or do we or do we see someone else from from anywhere in terms of that offensive line? Do they do they jump up to number two? Is Thibodeau, anything's possible here. For, for quite a while, he was seen as the absolute lock number one pick. This was for months and months and months and months. His production in Oregon, what he could transition to the pros, long, length, talented. Then over the last couple of months, his, the love for him has slid a bit, right? A lot of people are really questioning his desire He's been talking a lot about his personal brand and this kind of stuff. People have gone off and they're wondering, is he really going to try at NFL level? I kind of 
find some of them a lot of a bit ridiculous. However, I like I do like the um the conspiracy theory that he deliberately in interviews was a little bit of not that interested. I'm interested in my brand to potentially finagle landing at the Jets or the Giants at four or five. So he's the talent is the number one talent. There's this no one will question that talent that he's the best player in this draft. But people are concerned about, as I said, the desire. So if he could land at four at the Jets or five at the Giants, uh, it would be a huge coup for the, the best player in the draft. Really, really interesting insight. And if he doesn't get through to the number four or five and the Jets are on the clock at number four, do they make the move for a wide receiver and do they pull the trigger on a Jameson Williams. At this stage, they've got pick number four and number 10. You wouldn't think they would get part with number four, even to land Debo Samuel, but number 10, their number 10 pick could be on the cards for a potential move there. Or do they just get the number one wide receiver in the in the draft and being Jameson Williams from Alabama? What do you think about that? Or is he potentially going to slip a bit further than number four? Well, on the wide receiver, yes, the Jets absolutely need a wide receiver, but this draft is loaded with phenomenal wide receiver talent. In fact, there's talk that there's going to be six, seven, eight wide receivers taken in the first round of this draft. It's that loaded. You mentioned Jamison Williams. Yes, he's he's got an ACL tear, won't quite be ready to go. Um, there's Drake London out of USC, who's got you know amazing hands, but not much apparently yak ability. And I think if the Jets, they could wait to that second selection being their 10th pick in the draft and the, the, they could still have the pick of the board. There's gonna, they're going to be clustered from there. So they might have a, a run where all six or at least four or five wide receivers go in the teams, but the Jets will still have the, the first pick of them. As for Debo, they could still they could draft that receiver at 10, right? And remember, this is the interesting thing with the Jets. They've got two picks in the 30s as well. So they've got the same order, I think 34 and 40 or something, 39, right, in, in the draft. So I think, look, I don't know how many offers the Giants at the 49ers are going to get. Like that to me could be a doable trade. The Jets give them 34 and 39, um, and the Jets walk out with, A, the best receiver in the draft, and um, Debo Samuel, so plus the number four pick as well. So this could be an inc- incredible night for the Jets, potentially, and San Francisco get back into the game. Yeah, well, it would certainly make a change for the Jets and to have um, you know some sort of positivity coming out of that franchise. So let's hope for long-suffering Jets fans uh, that if you are listening uh, and fans of the game green, that they can do something pretty special on Friday morning. Is there any other key key topics you want to chat to around the draft? And do you see um, yeah any other potential surprises inside that top ten? Or as you mentioned, is it it's going to be a loaded it's going to be a loaded draft uh, with a pretty even spread across the board? The other big theme, I think, opposite the wide receivers is the, is the cornerbacks. Um, they're talking again like there could be a handful of cornerbacks in this first round, particularly two at the top end with Source Gardner and Derek Stingley. They could both be top 10 themselves. In this world of open offences and 
three met three wide receiver sets. I heard this stat the other day, which blew my mind. Apparently, seventy percent of defensive snaps last year had three corners on the field. So we're moving away from. So you need heaps and heaps and heaps of DB talent these days to circumvent what that offense is throwing with you. So you, you want the best of the best as well, right? So that's going to be the conundrum for Green Bay and Kansas City teams who are absolutely in that Super Bowl window and have two first round picks that I think they'll both grab a receiver each, but they might also grab a cornerback each as well. Um, so that's something I'll really be keeping an eye on. Um, and I think that's an amazing trend. You look at, you know, the Chargers spending big money for JC Jackson as well. That cornerback move. Um, is the new receiver move, right? On defense. Um, we saw, and that's the Jalen Ramsey effect as well, right? The Rams parted with two first round picks and you get a guy who can completely shut down, not at the line of scrimmage. Yes, the line of scrimmage matters, but it's taking out half the field. If a quarterback is seeing that, that complete shutdown cornerback there, it's, 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 you know, it, it changes what he's going to do for scheming and everything like that. So I, I've loved the increasing importance of that, and we'll see that on draft night as well. Unbelievable, mate. Thank you so much for your insights. I can't wait for the draft as well. I'll be certainly glued to it on Friday yeah. morning, our time, as you will be, I know, James. Thanks again for joining us, mate. And, uh, yeah, any final thoughts before we, we sign off for a short, sharp episode of The Punt Return tonight? Yeah, the same as you, mate. I can't, can't wait for Friday. It's going to be really, really interesting. And everything that will follow from not just the kids that get drafted, but franchise as a whole. So, yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back as we get closer to the start of the 2022-23 season. It's going to be another massive season of NFL. We can't wait to talk to you again soon.